situations. Uh, I remember back a few years ago, been a number of years ago now, my daughter reminded me the other day that she's in her late 40s. But I remember we had the two boys and uh, a little girl came along and uh, I was driving a a Camaro. The dealer could not believe me when I pulled into the lot and said, I want to trade this on that station wagon. <laughs> you know, if you know anything about a 68 Camaro, you can't get three kids in the back seat. And my wife couldn't even drive it because it had standard shift with that heavy clutch. <laughs> she couldn't even push it. She didn't have enough weight to push it. But I thought about that, you know, in the snow country. After getting the station wagon, the kids were all excited because we were going to leave on Sunday after church. We were going to see Grandma and Grandpa because on the farm where I was raised, we had an orchard that had a nice hill in it. And we used to to sled rise in that hill all the time, and so the kids loaded their sleds in that station wagon. We headed to Grandma and Grandpa's, and we got about 20 miles from where we lived, and the sun started shining. And the closer we got to Grandma's, the less there was of any kind of snow. And so they were not happy with the idea of going to Grandma's with sleds and not having any snow. And it brought me to the point that we're thinking about the little gal. The, the Grandma was keeping the little boy and for the weekend, and uh, they were going to have an exciting time at the park. And uh, that night on... Uh, Friday night, it uh, began to snow. So she said, well, we'll still go to the park. We'll still go to the park. We got to the park. And when they got to the park with the little boy, she said to the little fellow, she said, can you imagine God painted this just for you? And he said, yeah. Yeah. God made this snow beautiful just for me. He painted it for me. And he said, Grandma, you know what? He did it with his left hand. She said, how do you mean he did it with his left hand? How do you know that? He said, because in Sunday school last week, the teacher said that Jesus sits on God's right hand. <laughs> Kids are very, very smart and very, very attentive to what is being said, and I'm thankful for that. I want to share with you this morning from two portions of Scriptures. The first comes from Ephesians, the first chapter. As we begin and working into the first month, really the last Sunday now of the new year, starting into a brand new time, in Ephesians chapter 1, let me begin at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption as children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, in whom we have redemption through His blood, 
forgiveness of sins according to His riches in His grace. And then I want to also share a scripture from John chapter number 8. And Jesus said in chapter number 8, verse 31, And Jesus said to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My word, then you are My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered Him, We be of Abraham's seed. We are never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commit a sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I want to talk about being set free today. We live in a world where so many people are into bondage. Bondage to all kinds of things. I thought of the story I read some time back about Vietnam veterans that met. As they met together and they began to see them as they came together as a large group, several thousands of them. And they saw them with limbs broken and false limbs and wheelchairs, all kinds of hectic situations. Many of them were suffering emotional strains as well from the devastation of that conflict. But in the midst of that gathering of those those uh, veterans of that war, there was a young Vietnamese boy that showed up. That Vietnamese gathered that day and he tells the story of his life. He said during the war, he said, in the conflict, his mother was killed, leaving him and his father alone. His father began to look for work, part-time work, in order to provide for his son. And sometimes in the process of trying to provide for his son and having work, he would have to leave his son with the neighbor's as it would take him sometimes into a journey that was a few days away. But he would come back. And he would provide for that son. And on one particular journey as he had gone, he had been gone for two weeks. And when he came back to the village to where his son and the neighbors that were taking care of him, they found devastation. The whole village was wiped out. There was nothing left and no signs of, of the neighbors. And so he began to look through the rubble of where his home was. And as he looked through the rubble, he found some bones. He was sure these bones were probably the bones of his son. And so as he began to look through that rubble, and he began through the weeping of crying of the loss of his son and the loss of his wife, and and he picked up them bones and he put them in a little bag. And he left the village brokenhearted, carrying those bones with him. Everywhere he went, he carried those bones. All through life, every evening he would lay them out and he'd cry and out to God, Why? I've lost my beautiful wife and lost my son. Years had passed. And one day there was a knock at the door. It was in the middle of the night and there was a banging at the door. And as he was banging at the door, he said, 
It is late. What do you want? He said, I'm your son. My kidnappers let me go. And I'm free. I'm your son. I've been looking for you. I've been trailing you. I've been trying to find you. And the old man said, you are a fake. And you're mean. My son is dead. Leave me alone. The boy kept pounding at the door, kept pounding and pounding, and the man just refused to open the door. And finally the boy left. That man, because of the bones of the past, because of the bones of the past, lost contact with a son that was alive. You know, there's people today even Christian people today that are living with the bones of the past. What a tragedy. I've been talking with a man over the last couple of months, maybe the last month, who used to be a Christian, who was active, he and his wife, in the church. But they're no longer in the church. He's lost a brother with cancer. And that was my first contact. He, he had to have somebody that he could untalk to, somebody that he could share with, somebody that would go and try to reach his brother for Christ because he said, we came from a terrible background. But he said, my brother is going to die and he's going to die lost. And I kept trying to encourage him, you need a church. You need the folks like that are here today that gathered around our sister to pray for another sister who's not even here to lift them up. His brother was buried. A month later, he called and said, My wife went to the doctor. And the results of the test is now cancer. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I said, you need to get involved in a church. You need to support. You need the prayers. You need to help. You can't do it alone. You can't walk it alone. And you know where that church is. You attended that church. But you don't understand. My wife and I were very active in that church and somebody began to talk about her. Somebody began to say things. And she heard it and she left and said, we'll never go back there again. For 15 years, they have never attended another church. She's dying of cancer. And you know why he doesn't go back to that church? Because of the bones of the past. The bones of the past. The things that have happened in the past. Those This many years later, the people that may have even said it may not even be there anymore. He doesn't even know that. But you see, we hold on to the bones of the past. I want to tell you something. I want to talk to you today about this brand new year of letting go of all the bones of the past. Get rid of those things. Someone once said that God created us with eyes in the front instead of in the back of our heads so that whenever we 
begin to look back, we get a kink in our neck. You know, a lot of people are running around with kinks in their neck today. All they think about is the past. Instead of the possibilities, the greatness, the opportunities of the future. Think about that, church. Instead of thinking about what's been in the past and what's been done in the past and what hasn't been done in the past, think about the future of what God has in store for us. Oh, what great days that are ahead for you. The future, my friend, is looking forward. The good news for you is that God can set you free from the bones of the past. Such freedom comes in the Scripture that I shared with you from the book of Ephesians. The first thing I want you to know that you are set free when you realize that you have been chosen. There's nothing like being chosen. I mean, when I think about this, when I think of my life, when I think about as a young man coming to know Christ and and then feeling the call to ministry and the saints saying, I know God has chosen you. When I doubted, they didn't. I can remember going and preaching at a church for the first time that was going to call me to be a pastor. And when that, when that word came, you've been chosen. I don't know, I can't tell you the feeling that it brought to our household. We were not just people that walked in. We were not somebody that was forcing our way in. We were chosen. You know what? We wanted to shout like that, like David wanted to, that Cheryl was talking about this morning. We, we wanted to dance around the house. I mean, we were so excited. We began to look at the things that we would be able to do. And, and here we are, 50 years or 60 years later, and looking back and seeing, we have been where we have because we were chosen. It wasn't by chance. It wasn't because of something that we wanted. Notice what Paul writes to the Ephesians, reminding them that God blessed them with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, just as He's chosen us in Christ before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world, God destined us for adoption into His family. You see, we, every person here, can become a child of God. But I want to clear something. In the words, in Christ, appears ten times in the book of Ephesians alone. In Christ. In Christ we become children of God. In God's great family, there are no grandchildren. Did you know that? Do you know that in God's family, there is absolutely no stepchildren? In God's family, I want you to know there are no illegitimate children. Why? Because you have been chosen. Every person that's in the family of God has come there because God chose them. And He accepts you as His children today. No matter what anybody else may say. You know, there's something about being chosen. I wrote a t- testimony. I, I, you know, I'm, I, you know, of course, I'm older. Some of you older folk will know this more than anybody else. Frank Tarkington. Does that name ring a bell with somebody? Frank Tarkington was a great football player. Did you know that Frank Tarkington's daddy was a was a pastor, was a preacher? 
Frank had grown up in the church under the leadership of his father's ministry. And he had come to know Jesus Christ. And he believed in himself. He believed that he could be something. And he tells his life story. He wasn't in the NFL in the beginning. Oh no. He was raised in a college. He became a football quarterback in a college. But you know what? Even in the college, in the University of Georgia, he wasn't the number one quarterback. He was a third string quarterback. He tells a story in his testimony about sitting on the bench when they were playing Texas. And he said they were late in the third quarter. Time was almost gone. They had no points scheduled. They were backed up into the, almost into the, into their own end zone. When he said he sat there and he thought about our game and when are we going to do, what are we going to do about this? And he said he got to thinking about it and without even thinking or talking to the toad, he got off of the bench and he started to the field. And you know what? The quarterback that was there in the huddle thought the coach had sent him, sent him, sending him in and taking him out. So he left. He came to the huddle. He said when he came to the huddle, he said nobody else said anything because the coach said, man, we're doing so bad we can't do any worse. And so he took control. And when he did, he put in the next three plays, he put a score on the board. And that was the beginning of his life story of how he became one of the greatest passers in the NFL. But you know what his testimony was? He said, I was chosen of God. I had lived for God and God chose me to become a football player. And that's all I've done all of my life. And now, even today, in his old age, he continues to tell the story about how that Jesus Christ has made a difference in his life. You know, sometimes we think of sports people as only being self-made. You know, sometimes God gifts us. He gifts us with different gifts. Fran Tarkington was one of those people who felt, can you imagine a player in a major league college having nerve or courage to step out on the field in those kinds of circumstances? Can you imagine what it was? The confidence he said, I know in Christ I can do all things. And he said, I knew that I could help that team. Let me tell you something. The feeling of chosenness is important. If you and I can operate under that kind of confidence with that kind of freedom. I've had people say to me when I would make a move, I've not moved too many times. And you know that, I've been here a long time. But I haven't moved too many times. But you know what? When I think about that, when they say, when you're going to make a, how do you feel about going someplace else? Let me tell you something. When God has called, and when God has confirmed that call, it makes no difference whether it's 40 people or 400 people, you're still going to have the message that God gave to you. You see, because when you're chosen, things happen. Well, let me tell you something. You are chosen today. You're not here by chance. You're here because God chose you to be here. There's a second thing that I want you to know. You are set free in the second place when you realize your sins are forgiven. Think about that. All that I've had in the past, everything I've ever done in my past, when I come to Jesus Christ and confess them, He forgave me. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so the, you see, the, the encouragement that Paul gave to the Ephesians was, for by the sacrificial death of Christ, you are set free. That is, your, your sins are gone. There's no deadlier bones today that people hold on to than the guilt of the past. 
There are people that make a dozen trips to that altar. There are people that go to church every Sunday and they listen to the message and they feel like maybe this is the week that God's going to forgive me. Maybe God's going to help get rid of that. And then you walk out those doors and you hit the parking lot. And by the time you turn the key on the car, the old devils come back and put that guilt back in your mind. My friend, my friend, what we need today is we need to realize that Jesus paid the price for our sins and when we confess them, He forgives us and He forgets them. And we are no longer guilty of them. No matter what we've done, we're no longer guilty of them. There are, there is no deadlier bones to hold on to than the bones of guilt. The wrongs that have, you have done. My friend, the source of your feelings of unworthiness. Christ today has come to tell you He's forgiven you. Now if you don't believe that, and if you don't believe it can happen to you, think of the Apostle Paul the man that's writing in the book of Ephesians. Think about Paul's life. Notice what the Bible says. Paul said, for I am the least of all apostles. Paul said, I'm unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But then he said, but by the grace of God I am what I am. Let me tell you something. I am what I am by the grace of God. And you who are Christian today, you are who you are, not because of your talent, not because of your education, not because of your personality. You are by the grace of Almighty God. God has set us free. He's the one that has given us that. And so even though Paul once persecuted the church, through grace he has been forgiven and given another chance. And with his new life, Paul set forth proclaiming the message of salvation to the Jews and the Gentiles alike. All of you, he said, can be set free. I thought about country western singer Willie Nelson. Tells about growing up in the South and singing those songs. But he said, you know what? I went to the Methodist church. He tells the testimony. He said, as a young person, he said, I sat in the Methodist, little Methodist church. Every week when the preacher got done preaching, he'd offer somebody to come to the altar. He said, if I sat there and nobody came, he said, I'd sit there too. But he said, every time somebody made a move to that altar, I had to make a move. Every week, every time somebody went to that altar, I would come to the altar and I'd ask God to forgive me. And he said, you know what? People would just pat me on the back and they'd be so proud. And he said, I'd go out of there feeling real good until I got down to the road a little ways. And he said, I'd find a little uh, something down the road as I, as I was going there. He said, and I got down there. He said, I'd find a, a little piece of, of, of bark. And he said, I'd tear it all up and wrap it in newspaper and light it up and smoke it. Then I'd feel like I was going to hell again. So the next week I'd come back and I'd confess it again. He said, and the church would forgive me and God would forgive me. But he said, I always felt like I got off too easy. You know what? There's a lot of people that are that way. Willie Nelson said, you know, until I come to the realization to relieving and accepting the fact that Jesus forgave me and He cleansed me and He told me I was free from that, he said, until then, I just could never get over it. I just simply lived a life of guilt. Let me tell you something. There's forgiveness for all of us. I don't care what you've done in life. I don't care where you've been. I'm telling you this morning that according to my Bible, that by God's grace you can be forgiven. 
There's nothing that you've done in your life that you cannot be forgiven for. Let me tell you something. There's another thing. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. The hardest person in the world to forgive is yourself. You are set free in Christ. You are forgiven through Christ. And you have to accept that. You know, it's hard to accept things, isn't it? I mean, I'm sitting around and I got this over this little one misstep, falling backwards with an arm. The hardest thing in the world is for me to look out the window and see my neighbor carrying my garbage to the street. The hardest thing in the world is to see my grandchildren coming and shoveling snow out of my driveway, which I did at 5 o'clock in the morning, and now they do at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But it gets clean. It gets clean. But the hardest thing is, is, is for someone else to do what I've always done. And my wife said, I'm bullheaded. And she said, you, you just don't let nobody do anything for you. Every time she, I, I go to do something, she said, why didn't you ask me to do that? Because I've had her been doing it for six weeks, you know. It has to come a point to where you have to do something for yourself. But you know what? We have a hard time allowing somebody else to do things for us. And the same thing is true with God. God wants to forgive. God wants to do things for you. God wants to make you a blessing. God wants to stir your heart and your life. And you just don't believe you're worthy of it. None of us are worthy of it, but we are worthy of God's grace. And so by His grace, we are set free. Well, there's a, I could go on and on, but let me give you another one. I believe you're set free when you realize that you're not trapped by what happened to you in the past. Now, there's a lot of people that are trapped in that. Many get stuck because you remember. And then when you remember, you relive the old painful memories. You get stuck because you're paralyzed by the old bones of the past. What I did and why I did it. and Oh, I know that I, I, I should be forgiven, but I just can't get this out of my mind. Let me tell you something. I love the way that God forgets you. It kind of... Kind of reminds me of the story of the, of the old convent. You know, the the bishop would come by and and had all these these uh, nuns that would pray for everything that was going on, and, and and the bishop would come by every so often, every six eight weeks, and he'd ask about things. And and, and one day, one of the women, one of the nuns, had said to him, said, uh, you know, uh, bishop, he said, and they talk to you. I've been talking to the Lord this week, and 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 he told me some things that I need to tell you. He said. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't have time, but you keep praying about that. He'd come back again and he'd try to talk to her, and, or she'd try to talk to him, and he'd, he'd put her off. And finally, about the third time, the bishop said, Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you ask God what my cardinal's worst sin was? She said, Okay. She began to pray. He'd come back the next time, and she just kind of ignored him, and he'd come looking her up. He said, did you talk to the Lord this last week? She said, I sure did. He said, did you ask Him what my cardinal sin was? She said, I sure did. What did He say? He said, I forgot. I forgot. God forgets. You need to forget. God forgot about everything. You know what? I've had people that, that I've talked to and said, well, you know, I remember that. I don't remember that. You know, I don't remember a lot of things, you know. 
But, but I got an excuse, you know. I'm, I'm getting old. But you know what? I think that we need to realize that, that, that sometimes the worst time of our life is right now. Some that are going through difficulty, some are going through sicknesses and, and have gone through sicknesses and, and it's such a hurtful, it's such a burden to you. And you keep saying, Lord, why? But you know what? We just need to hold on. We need to remember that we don't have to be trapped in that sickness. We can believe the Word. We can keep trusting in God and God will one time come through for us if we'll hold on. I know people that are going through difficulties in, in their jobs. There are people going through difficulties that don't know how to cope with them. They don't understand. They don't understand how to, how to deal with their children. Sometimes we don't know how to deal with a marriage that's gone on the rocks. We don't know how to deal. But let me tell you something. God knows all about all of these. And He's able to bring us through. He will hold you steady if you'll trust Him. He may not do it the way you want it done. He may not do it on the timetable that you want done. But I guarantee you that the Word of God is true. And God's promised that He would take us through every situation in life. The problem is, is we don't deal, we, we're afraid sometimes to deal with it. Other experiences such as death in the family that are hurting and grieving. Whatever may be happened to you, my friend, the past, no matter how hurtful it has been, it's time for you to set those things in the past behind you. It's time for you to realize that God has a new beginning for you and this year. A new beginning in your life. And I thought about that as I read about a man, a pastor talking about new beginnings. He was on a plane flying home from a conference meeting and had to preach on Sunday. He got in the plane and had his Bible out and his notes out and ready to get his message together. And he's sitting there and he's hoping nobody would disturb him. And he happened to look over to the guy sitting. He was sitting by the window and there was an empty seat and then the other fellow. And he happened to notice this fellow kept looking at him. And then all of a sudden he said, I, I just hope he don't get in a conversation. I'll never get my message together. But he says as he looked at him and as I was looking through my Bible, he noticed he'd reach in a, in a little bag and he pulled out a little New Testament and started reading it. He said that opened the conversation. We began to talk. And the man just began to pour out to him. He said, I'm a businessman. He said, you know, he said, I've got my business. And he said, you know, things have gone from worse to worse. Sometimes the unbelievable, unbearable. He said at first it was a... It was a single, simple, single social drink with some folks over a luncheon. And then he said it wasn't long until I, I was finding myself hiding it in my desk drawer. Then he said it was in the mornings, instead of drinking orange juice, I would drink a glass of liquor. That would start my day. He said it just kept escalating and escalating until finally my wife and my two children were so angry with me and so disgusted with my attitude and my anger that they left in tears. He said, I'm alone. He said, I, I, I flew out. He said, for a business meeting. And he said, I got out there and I flew, as I, as I was getting ready to go for the meeting, he said, I, I went to the car rental and I rented a car. He said, when I rented that car, he said, I had already drank in the morning, already drank getting ready for the meeting, already knew I was going to face some tough decisions. And so he said, I just kept drinking. He said, I never would have admitted that I was an alcoholic. But I drank and I drank. You get the courage. 
He said, I rented a car. He said, I came to an inner, busy intersection. He said, I thought I stopped, but they said I didn't. And when I run through that rental car, through that intersection, a truck hit me. Hit so hard, he said, it threw me out of the car. He slid up the road for about 50 feet, skinning, and took, tore his clothes off, tore his skin, tore the side of his face. He said, I laid there, and he said, and I was unconscious, at least they thought I was. And he said, here came the paramedics, and they looked at me, and they checked me. They started checking, and they said, I think he's dead. Then he said he called the officer over and the officer began to listen and look at him and he said, I agree, I think he's dead, but we ought to put him in an ambulance since they're here and take him to the hospital. He said, when they loaded me in that ambulance, he said, I was aware I wasn't dead. He said, I prayed, God, God help me to, to say and do something, make some kind of a move so they won't think I'm dead. They won't just throw me off in a morgue somewhere. I'm alive. Lord, help me. If you'll help me, I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, when I got to the hospital and they put me off of that gurney onto that table, he said, I was as bright as anybody. He said, the doctor asked me a question, I answered it. He said he started cleaning the blood. They started cleaning and cutting clothes. And he said there was the paramedics and there was the police officer who said I was dead. And they couldn't believe. They, they thought this is, this is impossible. I listened to that man's heart. I listened for his blood pressure. I looked for all of these things. And he was dead. But he said I wasn't dead. He said it was unbelievable to them. He said they cleaned me up and kept me overnight. And the next day, he said, I, of course, I didn't have a rental car. I wrecked it. So he said, I, I, I thought, well, I, I just need to get my head together. I just need to get some rest. I think I'm just going to check into a motel. He checked into the motel and went to the room. When he got, just before he got to the room, he had stopped at a little convenience store across the street and bought himself a six-pack of beer. He said, I walked into the room, threw the bed back, flipped on the television, popped the can of one of those beers, laid down on the bed, and just as I laid on the bed and looked at that television, who was there but Billy Graham doing a crusade? And he said, what he said, he pointed his finger at me. And he said, you have made a promise to God that you are not keeping. And he said, I looked and he was pointing at me. He said, he said it not once, but he said it twice. And he said, the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me. He said, I begin to weep. I begin to say, God, I didn't mean to do it this way. I didn't mean it. And he said, I got down on my knees beside that bed. I bowed my head into that carpet and I prayed and asked God to come in a special way and touch my life again as He did that day on the road. And he said, He did. The Holy Spirit came. I confessed my sins. He said, I got up from there and I felt so light as I walked across the room and I looked over at those other five cans of beer. He said, you know, when you're an alcoholic and can't get up, moving in the morning without it and can't go to bed without it and can't get through the day without it, he said, it's a chore. But he said, you know what? I walked over there and I grabbed that first can and I popped that lid and I took it to the bathroom sink and I poured her down the drain, praising God the whole time. Let me tell you something, he said. You cannot do that as an alcoholic unless the Spirit of God does something in your life. He said, I dumped all five, all six cans of those beer down the drain. And I went home and he said, I begin to put things back together because God had forgiven me. Let me tell you something. 
The bones of the past drag so many people down today. I hear people say, oh, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. I wish I could live like other people live. Let me tell you something. You can do all things through Christ if you'll put His hands in your trust in Him. Let me tell you something. I believe with all of my heart. It's time for the struggles. My friend, that you've discovered in your life, you need to find, a, you need to find the answers this man did. You see, he didn't find it in a can of beer. He didn't find it in his friends. He didn't find it in the, in the things that he occupied himself with. He found it in the Word of God. And he found it when the preaching Word came across the message to him and said, today, today, you're not doing what God asked you to do. I could point my finger this morning, and I'm sure with even the smaller crowd we got today, that somewhere in this life, in this sanctuary, there's somebody that that finger is pointing at, that you're holding that back in your life, and you're saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, and I'm, I'm in a mess, and I'll never get out of this. As long as you believe that, the devil's rejoicing. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is saying to you, right here this morning, God is saying to you, I will and can forgive you. And you need to get rid of the bones of the past. You need to take that bones and just bury them in the deepest seas of God's forgetfulness and stand up like a Christian ought to be standing and say, God, by Your grace and by Your power, I'm going to do what You called me to do. You know why? Because You're chosen. You're chosen, my friend. You're not here by chance. You're not here because you're not worthy. Let me tell you something. All of us, God didn't make any messes. God made everything perfect. If we're in a mess, it's because of ourselves. It's not because of God. This time of struggle, he discovered the answers. That man said the Holy Spirit got a hold of his life. The Spirit gave him strength. It gave him courage. Let me tell you something. We today need to realize it's not what the preacher says, it's what the Holy Spirit says. When the Spirit of God deals with your heart. My friend, don't pay no attention to what anybody from the left or the right or in front of you or behind you says. He's talking to you. And you need to respond to Him. And when you do, I'm going to tell you something. 2019 can be the best and the most prosperous and the greatest year of your life. It can be the greatest challenge that you can meet out there and say, by God's grace through Christ, I can do all things. I can take it. I can, no matter what it is, if it's a job problem, if it's a child problem, if it's a marriage problem, if it's a problem with some habit that you have, if it's a problem that you're dealing with, let me tell you something, you can handle it when the Holy Spirit takes a hold of your life. You can do whatever God intends for it to be done in your life, but you have to be willing to obey Him. This morning I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you're here and you're holding on to the bones of the past, today's the day. Bury them right there. Put them right there on that altar. And don't, don't pick them up when you leave. Get up with your hands in the air, clear, saying, Lord, I've left them there. You take care of them. I'm going in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to live a victorious life. He can do it for you today. Let's stand together. Father, this morning, you know the hearts and the lives. You know the folks that have come this morning. Lord, it's a time for a new beginning. It's a time to be set free from the bones of the past. It's a time, Lord, for You to work in our hearts and our lives and give to us in 2019 the power and the presence of God that can help us to live a holy life. We know today, Lord, that every person in this building, they're not here by chance. They're here because, Lord, You have predestined them 
to become children of God. You want to adopt them into your family today that you can call them, this is my son, this is my daughter. These are my children. Father, speak to hearts and lives as we sing. We'll give you the thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Will you come as we sing?